This is a 980 CKNW podcast. Well, as you likely heard in the news, one of the big transit announcements this past week was BC putting up $300,000 to join in the feasibility study for a high-speed rail line that would link Vancouver to Seattle and that line continuing on to Portland. We are told that it would have huge potential for economic growth in the region. So joining me to talk a bit more about that is Gordon Lovegrove, an associate professor at the UBC Okanagan's School of Engineering. Engineering. Uh, Gordon, thank you so much for being with us. There, Thanks so much for being here. Uh, how would this train, which comes with a price tag, uh, right now the estimate being as much as $42 billion, how would this create this huge economic boom for the region? Well, that's a good question. There's all sorts of uh, travel time savings that you could have for people getting between points of business, uh, construction itself, billions of dollars. Obviously, that means men person years of jobs just building it maintaining it uh, the operation of it so it's it's another mode of transportation being introduced in the area just like airlines and highways and uh, slower railways and freight uh, generate jobs so uh, there's all sorts of ways you can look at this and there's there's uh, years of benefits that come out of this thing but is the benefit, the main benefit, then the building and the construction of the line? Because then what happens when we then have this high-speed rail line? How does that then benefit us as far as recovering those costs? Well, uh, another good question. But actually, when you look at the, uh, I like to call it uh, internalizing the externalities, there are spinoffs. And, and one of the things about rail is it's one of the safest modes to travel uh, worldwide compared to driving a car. I mean, uh, crashes and fatalities actually due to crashes is the leading cause of death for those uh, young people and, and right up till 40 years old, right across North America. So more productive years of life are lost due to death caused by road crashes and driving than any other mode of travel. So when you factor that in just alone, not to mention I already said the travel time savings, you can do more and you do more while not having your hands on a steering wheel. Uh, a lot of productivity goes up in, in lives saved and uh, the travel time savings. Uh, what about population, though? And, and there's been some talk uh, of that this link would be great in that it would help people going to sporting events. It, it does bring the travel time between Vancouver and Seattle to less than an hour. But would we not need a huge growth in population again to make this a feasible, a feasible project? I don't know. I, I don't think so. I mean, we've got a good population base already. I mean, this is just offering another choice, another transportation choice for people to get. And remember, it's it's going to be a little bit more expensive than uh, putting a tank of gas in your car, but it's going to create savings in terms of travel time. I mean, I've, I've taken the high-speed rail between Paris and Amsterdam, and as I recall, it cost me about uh, 50 to $100, and uh, that that's for me, that's way cheaper than a flight and saved a lot more time. And uh, so for, uh, I don't think population's got a lot to do with it. I mean, look what happened when we did SkyTrain. And overnight, we had 30% take-up in ridership and getting people out of the cars. Really, there's a latent demand for this already, and it just adds to the choice and gets people out of their cars doing uh, other things as opposed to having a drive everywhere. But what about the fact that we're talking about linking Vancouver to Seattle? It's not as though we have a huge population that works in Seattle or would have the opportunity to work in Seattle or vice versa, people in Seattle that would have the opportunity to work in Vancouver because this, this link is now there. 
Yeah, and, and so I, I think I hear you. What you're concerned about is taking taking economic opportunities away from Vancouver and putting them in Seattle. I, I think it's going to be the exact other way around. You're going to bring a lot more eco tours. People that don't drive, we know right across North America, our next generation, less of us are choosing to drive. They don't want to drive. They, and and so traveling by rail is, is a fantastic, clean and green and quieter way, uh, good for air quality, good for safety, so many other uh, good reasons. And and you'll see with our Canadian dollar where it's at, a lot more tourism coming into Vancouver. It's going to be good for, for Vancouver, absolutely. And the, what about the price tag? Uh, we, um, it's, it's a big gap to say it could be anywhere from $24 billion to $42 billion. Are we even able to look at something, a project that is still so many years in the future, if it is going to happen, and be able to put a price tag on it? Uh, absolutely. It's, it's, it's a it's a moonshot at this point. It's going to be the first uh, functioning high-speed rail in North America. If it, if it beats what's going on in California, it's anybody's guess, but we've got great minds working on it. This is the way everything great gets accomplished. You get the greatest minds together, pool them, do your best forecast, and be realistic because the last thing you want to do is you know, over-promise and, and have an underestimated. I mean, that, that's classic bad PR. So uh, you know, I've looked at some of the studies that were done, and you know, $200 million dollars, per uh, mile, that's, that's in the ballpark of a SkyTrain cost estimate. So it's, it's not too far out. I think it's in the ballpark of where it, where it should be. And, uh, you know, that's, that we were gaining a lot of experience from what's going on in California. I mean, property, the property cost and, and minimizing impacts on existing communities, that's going to be the most difficult thing to deal with because you're dealing with people's lives and the impacts, and, and that's why they're, they're allowing such a broad range. Well, and that's a, another question as well, is, is the actual physical route of where you would put this train. Right. And, and with high-speed rail, we're talking 300, 350 kilometers an hour. You do not want curves in, in that track, if at all possible. They, they've got to be very, very gradual. Um, you look at uh, Japan, and Japan put high-speed rail, same level, straight line through mountains. Uh, Switzerland just did something exactly the same. These things have to travel, for the sake of argument, straight line. Yes, you can have general, uh, very, very slight curves, but really looking for the alignment is going to be very difficult. Again, I'm sure they've got quarter options, and, and uh, they, they may have to adjust their speed at certain points. We don't know. And and does it make it more difficult having the border? I mean, there is still an international border between these two cities where people would have to, you'd have to travel with a passport. I would imagine you still have to clear going into to the con- to whatever country you're going into, whatever direction you're going. Actually, you know, I think we've already got that in place with, you know, the airports. We clear customs in Vancouver or whatever airport, international airport we're leaving from to go to the States. I, I kind of think that would be probably a non-issue. Uh, what do you think? So the feasibility study then, Vancouver or sorry, BC uh, putting in three hundred thousand uh, dollars. Does that does it show a sign that that we're serious about this, or what 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 does that give us in return? Yeah, I, I think it does. I mean, putting your money where your mouth is, is is always the best way to judge how important somebody considers something to be. Uh, but I I think three hundred thousand is really a drop in the bucket for a feasibility study. It's it's going to take millions. We know that. I think. In fact, uh, I heard a number thrown around as something in the range of ten million, but. Uh, it's it's a good start, and uh, we we need to go there if we're going to get serious about this thing. Uh, do you think we should also be focused, though, on if we're talking about high-speed trains uh, linking uh, to the United States, should we not also be looking at linking in within Canada? Yeah, they're actually talking about something like this in, in Calgary, between Calgary and Edmonton, and 
as I recall, it was, what was it, Montreal and, and uh, Ottawa, I think, at some point. They're, they're starting to look at you. You have to remember, we have a culture in North America that's it's built on car dependence. I mean, it's going to take time to, to change a culture. It takes a generation or two. And, and perhaps there's a, an interim solution uh, looking at, at higher speed passenger rail. I mean, just, just bring it back uh, as opposed to going right from, you know, what are we doing now, 30 miles an hour up to, to you know, 300 kilometers an hour, uh, maybe we need to look at an interim regional uh, passenger rail. Uh, the technology would be similar. I mean, uh, the, we're probably looking at using made in BC fuel cell technology with these things in a battery hybrid like the Chinese are doing in their high-speed trains, and we've got that research and that product in, in BC. We're looking at research at UBC Okanagan, looking at a regional electric passenger train using that technology, which is called Hydrail. Uh, looking at something like that as well. So it's, it's going to take time, but, but uh, I think it will come. All right. We'll have to leave it there. We're out of time. But thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate your time today. You're very welcome. Bye-bye. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.